Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. This is Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I'm a two-time nine-year survivor of breast cancer. And when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink, and that's also where you can find me on social media. So today is one of my favorite types of shows. I'm talking to a cancer survivor who has taken her journey and turning it turned it into something amazing and essentially saved her life. So we're going to dig deep into this today. So my guest is Jane McClelland, former chartered physiotherapist, best-selling author, and now she's written this amazing book, um, How to Starve Cancer, which we're going to talk about today. And it, it gives you a lot to think about for someone in the mainstream cancer community. I went through standard treatment, but I'm kind of reading, I read all this and I was like, huh, those are some really good ideas that I wish I had known about way back when, but Jane should have only lived about 12 weeks, according to her doctors and the cancer statistics, but she was diagnosed with stage four cancer over 20 years ago. Today, after suffering from cervical cancer, secondary lung, lung cancer, and myodysplasia, treatment related, she is still alive and cancer free. And I as I, like I said, I just finished the book recently and it had completely blown my mind. So Jane, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today and share what you went through. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself non-cancer wise? Cause we'll get there. Non-cancer. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I was, um, so when I was first diagnosed, I was single, uh, only 30 years old. Um, but since then I got married and, um, despite the cancer making me unable to have children of my own, we found an amazing surrogate who gave birth to two boys for us. So I've now got Jamie, who's now age 16, can't believe oh. that. And mm -hmm. Sam, who's age 12. So two boys, um, we're a sailing family. So we have a sailing boat and, um, when we're not enjoying London, which is where I normally live. Um, we're pottering around on the south coast, uh, the Solent, which is, um, that's where you'll find us. It's the stretch of water between the Isle of Wight and Southampton in uh, in England. So it's, it's a lovely place to go sailing. Uh, that's, that's a, you know, what I spend my time doing when I'm not helping other cancer patients. I've got a thriving uh, Facebook group for, you know, to, to help support people uh, looking at all of these different modalities that I use. So supplements and off-label drugs, and we'll get to those in a minute, I'm sure. Yes. But, um, you know, I spent my time now is just spent helping other people really um, because they, my book is, you know, cancer, unfortunately is a complex process. It's not a, a straightforward, easy to um, understand process, but there are some missing links and that's the problem. Um, so I spend a lot of my time trying to help people untangle what they, you know, what they understand of cancer and really what it is and what drives it and what actually makes it feed, feed itself. And that's that's why I called my book How to Starve Cancer. It's not just about diet. There are many other aspects as well. Um, but yeah, I've uh, I have a pretty active life now. I don't try and let cancer dominate my thoughts as much as they did. Um, well, so, you can't because you have yeah. two teenage boys that you're taking yeah, care of too. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
Uh, yeah, so that, yeah, the hard work, but um, delightful, you know, wow. Hard work and 100% yeah. worth it. And um, yeah. also let's give a shout out to Tabitha. So you're, yes. you're one, you're, you're surrogate out there. And yeah. thank you to all those who are surrogates out there because there are so many women who, unfortunately, after going through the cancer process, they struggle with fertility issues. And as you did, and that was finally something that it Tabitha allowed you to have your family. So, um, I had had to give a shout out to her because that, um, held a special place in my heart being a mom myself. So, yeah. So wonderful lady, let's, let's dig into the cancer. So let, how did you find your diagnosis? And I know it was a challenging process that took a long period of time because you, you were not listened to. No, unfortunately I had a bit of a rogue doctor who wasn't doing the right tests. He wasn't doing the biopsies correctly. Um, and you know, a lot of women slipped through the net. Um, there's a national recall of these patients. I mean, this was meant to be a, a consultant at the hospital doing colposcopies and he was really, uh, he failed. And, um, unfortunately I, uh, I then got more and more symptoms and I went privately, uh, in order to try and find out what was going on. I then got rushed into a London hospital, literally sort of days after. Uh, and you know, I didn't really have time to think or anything. It was right. You need surgery right now. We booked you on the flight because I was back in Guernsey back then for my, uh, trying to discover what was going on. Um, so literally whirlwind boom had massive surgery, you know, hysterectomy, uh, followed by the chemo radiotherapy, um, or highly traumatic. Cause I just suddenly was faced with, with the, um, the, the infertility was like a smack. That was, um, big. It, it's me. hard enough to deal with a cancer um, diagnosis, yeah. but at 30 years old and being yeah. single told that you, your reproductive organs are gone. So yeah. you're dealing with all of the trauma from all of this. Plus you're, you're rushed in there because the rogue doctor pay wasn't listening and paying attention to your body. I don't think men should actually do colposcopies. So I, I've had I, them I'm with you on that actually, <laughs> you know what? I think there are, unfortunately there are some misogynists out there um, who kind of take advantage of the fact that they can maybe abuse women in these situations. And uh, that's a pretty big statement to make, but I think, uh, I think it's true. Um, I feel like it's, it's gotten, aware of that. it's gotten better over time. A hundred percent. And I'm so. not, not maligning male OBGYNs, but for me, always been a female other than the one time in college, I had the male cost colposcopy and he's like, it's not going to hurt. I was like, Oh, it hurt. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> so you, it was an incredibly traumatic first experience. And then what happened after that? So I, you know, like I said, I had the chemo and the radiotherapy did all the things that you're meant to do. Um, well, I didn't know what else to do at that time. You know, this was 1994, so a long time ago, and there was no stuff to read on the internet with no chat room forums or anything like that. So I was pretty much on my own, but I did find some integrative doctors, but this was only after things had progressed and that happened in 1999. And that was as a result of um, probably me being depressed about my mum, Dying. She died of breast cancer in 96. Mm-hmm. Um, and she probably died as a result of me getting cancer, which probably, you know, I think grief and trauma and all of that psychological um, effect has has a massive impact on uh, your, your ability to withstand um, a cancer. And I think it's, it's really understated, I think, and, and grief 
is uh, a big factor, I think. And oh, definitely. I, yeah. and I, I had, I've tabbed a couple things in your book that I want to read, if you don't mind talking yeah. about the, the isolation and how challenging it is when you're going through a diagnosis. So being alone did not make my mood sink further, did nothing but make my mood sink further. I felt so isolated, so misunderstood, magnifying my misery, my knee, my damage from a ski accident, and now became so painful that I can hardly walk. And the other leg was showing signs of lymphedema because all of the lymph nodes removed during surgery, a chronic condition that causes swelling in body tissues. I was an inflammatory mess, a hormonal mess, my body little more than a scared piece of wreckage, scarred piece of wreckage, which really, I think identifies with so many people who go through a cancer diagnosis and then they're completely lost. So And then I, there was another one I tabbed about the wake up call, but I want to talk about something else first. So you mentioned your mom had a history of breast cancer and obviously yes. passed from it. Ultimately, do you have, did you do genetic testing or anything like that? She to see? did a BRCA test and okay. she was negative. Um, okay. But actually I, you know, g- genetics are very low in terms of, I think it's only about 5% uh, link to mm-hmm. breast cancer now um, and possibly even less, I think, because, um, the the environment definitely has a huge impact, um, as well as all these other factors as well. But um, there, there, there are so many reasons to get breast cancer, and inflammation, and you know being slightly overweight. Um, all of, there are so many reasons, and the the genetics is uh, sort of low down on the list, I think, really. But certainly, if you have a BRCA, it's you have to pay attention. Yes. And I'm going to read one more quote. And I think this will take us into how you took this, your cancer and turned it into something spectacular after the fact and saved your own life. So this is about having a wake up call. Yeah. So I needed no further encouragement. The shock and trauma of this experience made me look at my life through fresh eyes. I had too much to live for. I didn't know it at the time, but my mother's death was going to save my life. Her passing became the platform for a turnaround in my own health. I began to modify my diet, exercise, began to modify my diet, exercise more, research more, and pay more attention to the fact that my body had suffered cancer. So obviously a very traumatic time. You were there for your mother's passing and supporting her throughout that ordeal after you had gone through your own hellish ordeal with cancer. What, obviously that was a wake up call, but you're, you do have a background in the medical community. You were a physiotherapist, which in the States, a physical therapist, I had to look that up to make sure I was correct. Um, so you, you know, your way around the body and you have lots of medical knowledge, but definitely a lot different than the extensive research that you have done. How did that whole process start? Well, um, I started, obviously, there, there was a little bit of information on the internet, but really I, uh, I had to find integrative doctors who had actually done, done it and actually gone out there and found some of the answers, well, not the, all the answers, but had found some treatment options for me um, because I knew that at stage four, whatever they were going to give me, it wasn't going to be enough to help me survive. It was only going to sort of keep it at bay for a while. Um, so I knew I had to do extra stuff and I always had this concept that whatever the traditional treatments are, they're not enough. Uh, you need more of a cocktail. You, you, you definitely need a combination of treatments in order to, to make it more efficacious. So I found this doctor, Dr. Calibu. 
sadly he passed away about four months ago. Um, not sure why exactly, may have been COVID, but we don't know. Um, and he was just brilliant. He'd traveled all over the world. He'd been to India, he'd been, you know, all over the States. He'd, he'd, he'd effectively just looked into pretty much everything. And I used him really as my um, number one source to start with until it was uh, easier to search the internet and actually PubMed. I don't think PubMed came online until 2003 or something so before that I was having to go into libraries and look things up the old-fashioned uh, way yeah, the old which fashion which our way. children will never <laughs> understand no and looking at magazine you know all of these um health magazines and you know I found um I was looking at herbal uh magazines as well so Chinese herbal stuff all sorts of things you know I, I was just research research just trying to find that sort of stuff but you know and then 2003 whenever it was when I was able to actually get online and look at PubMed med and um, find the research articles online wow that was like uh, that's suddenly made life a lot easier um, but at that stage that's when I started getting these uh, night sweats that were really really bad so I, I kept my cancer at bay by adding things in like intravenous vitamin C, um, a whole host of supplements and things like that. And I was doing okay, I thought. Uh, and then I suddenly just got this tiredness, this fatigue that you get when when your, your blood is not able to carry the right amount of oxygen. You get massively tired. You've got no energy for anything. And that was me. And I got these drenching night sweats that were just hideous uh, and I thought right something's not right here and then I went back to Dr. Calibu I also had another doctor Dr. Kenyon and you know between them we worked out what was going on they could you know they did um, um, some tests uh, all sorts of tests and came up with the fact that I had myelodysplasia which is um, a bone marrow condition and that was as a result of all the chemo and radiotherapy that I'd had seven years before it takes between seven to nine years for this to appear and this is actually something that's going to become more prevalent because people are living longer um, after these massive doses of chemo and radiotherapy um, mm -hmm. I'm not saying don't do it but I mean I just wish they would actually give people slightly less my my oncologist was um she told me that she'd probably kill me with the amount of chemo and radiotherapy that she she was giving me and so you fought yeah, back you with did. that <laughs> you you um, got her to to lower your your number of chemos yes. as you were going well through. that second time round when mm -hmm. I when it spread to my lungs she was giving me more chemotherapy then and I, I, I put on this uh, massive display of, um, of complaining about the side effects in order to make her lower the dose because I really felt I'd already been overtreated with chemo the first time round mm -hmm. um, and I didn't want to be overtreated the second time round I knew that would probably it probably would have killed me um, so and I'm not saying don't have chemo but I just think you need to, to, to try and manage how much you get uh, low dose chemo in combination with lots of other things has been shown to be super effective. In fact, you can actually boost your immune system by having a low dose. Um, so yeah, this is all stuff that I was sort of learning and I managed to get her to drop the dose. And, um, and at that point I was finding, and I knew actually by the time I got myelodysplasia, which was a few years after that, um, I had found some what's known as off-label drugs. These are drugs that are not normally used for cancer. 
-hmm. and um, these are, uh, but they have anti-cancer effects. So metformin, um, I actually discovered later on, but some of the drugs I used was um, etodilac, which is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, and lovastatin, which is for cholesterol. Mm -hmm. um, that was the first statin drug that came out on the market. Um, and my oncologist didn't know anything about sort of using those, but I, I took some information, I took the research to her, and back then, you know, I think the oncologists were far more flexible and more willing to look outside of their sort of treatment parameters. They didn't have quite the same narrow uh, treatment um, uh, protocols that they have to follow. And she was very happy to prescribe me the Atodilac and the Lovastatin. And then I got Dr. Calibu to prescribe me the Dipridamol. Dr. Kenyon then prescribed me the Metformin later on. And then I managed to get hold of Cimetidine, which is over the counter over here. Mm -hmm. Um, just went out and uh, got myself a whole load yesterday. <laughs> Some uh, currently in Manhattan. Um, so stock up whenever I come. And melatonin can't get that in the UK either. <gasps> oh, um, that would I would be so sad. I melatonin is my oh, best it's friend. Absolutely critical if you got breast cancer. My God, mm -hmm. it's, it's yeah, it helps to control your your estrogen and. Even though my estrogen wasn't uh, a pro allegedly a problem with the cervical cancer, I did feel there might be some implications. So it was something I did in, um, and it's, it's got other effects beyond that anyway. It helps to block the abnormal fermentation process of cancer, the glycolysis, which is part of you know, what makes the cancer different to your healthy cells. So it's a, you know, it makes it much more of a targeted um, drug. So melatonin, absolutely. I think that for, for breast cancer, it's yeah. absolutely critical. 100%. Yeah. So we do need to take a short break. So please stay with us because I know we have so much more to talk about because the book is very dense, but super helpful. So listeners, stay with us. If you would like to make a donation, you can go to our website or text BF radio to 41444 to help ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444. Or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. 
you may also send an email to Michelle Bat at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Michelle Beck, and my, gain, my guest is Jane McClelland, author of How to Starve Cancer and Then Kill It with Ferroptosis. And we're going to get to the ferroptosis later because I had no idea what that was. So, Jane, I know that prior to doing your, or possibly at the same time with starting your supplement research, you already made some massive changes in your diet and have kind of found three things that you you suggest to either cut out or cut down on drastically and what we put into our body. Can we talk about that? Yeah. So, um, I, I cut, well, cut down quite a lot of things. And I think uh, with breast cancer in particular, alcohol is definitely linked. Um, mm-hmm. but yes, I went uh, teetotal for five years. Um, I cut out meat and dairy and actually I cut out a lot of the sort of gluten, um, and wheat, products as well. Um, I, I know that they cause inflammation for me, but bread actually uh, transforms into sort of quite a high glycemic um, food because it's actually digested in the mouth by the amylase. So it's broken straight down to sugar pretty much. So it's actually a very high glycemic food. Um, so I was, I changed my diet. Um, initially, I actually went macrobiotic because uh, there wasn't much about sort of anti-cancer diets back then, you know, we're talking a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, but macrobiotics was something that uh, I looked into. And so there was a few seaweedy things that went into my profile, <laughs> which contains iodine, which again is actually quite useful for, um, for breast cancer. I don't think uh, in massive doses, but I think a little bit just to sort of boost up the uh, levels is important. Um, uh, so yeah, I did all of that and, um, it definitely, I think slowed down the cancer. So I started doing that. I started drinking green tea as well, which I think again, really critical for, uh, breast cancer and vitamin D as -hmm. well. Uh, in living in the Pacific Northwest, I'm a huge vitamin D advocate and I, we talk cause we just don't get enough sun up here. So yeah, right. I, personally, I take 10,000 IU a day every yeah. day and my levels are still in the normal range. So our bodies just really? need it. Mm-hmm. Really? Have you had Epsilon bar? No. Okay. okay. Sometimes if you have that, if you've had it, or maybe, maybe you had it and didn't, you were asymptomatic, but sometimes that affects mm. your ability to, to process the vitamin D. So I need to sit down with you and do a consult on my supplements. <laughs> <laughs> Now, and you yeah. also, you, you found a bunch of supplements, obviously, in addition yes. to the off mainstream medication, what, yeah. what are those? Um, we, I know later on, we were going to get to it. We might as well do it now. Um, you mentioned a list of 18 different supplements. Is that correct? Oh gosh. I haven't got the full list in front of me. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> off the top of your head. Through. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, just off the top of my head, there are, um, certain ones, which I think are, are pretty crucial really. Um, so I was taking niacin and I think actually that for breast cancer is very important. It helps and because uh, breast cancer is actually quite driven by fat and niacin helps to, um, reduce some of those fat pathways that can is, is niacin. Is that vitamin B1 associated with that? No, not B1. It's B, uh, now you got me. I think okay. it's B5. Uh, there's there's so many Bs. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, it is a B. Uh, thiamine is B1. Okay, got I it. I don't recommend that. I recommend okay. not taking B1. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, not that I'm a doctor. This is a suggestion that maybe you shouldn't take. It's been linked to sort of progression. So, um, okay. But 
but niacin is a particularly useful one. And um, so that's uh, really important. Um, I'm trying to make this, I'm gearing this towards the sort of the breast cancer community. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. We do have other listeners, but most okay. of them are breast right. cancer, but so, I still think the supplements are probably good across yes. the board. Yeah, they are. They are because they're affecting the metabolism of the cell. And that's um, across the board that the metabolism of cancer is, it varies between cancer types, but there's a, a basic uh, different metabolism that goes on. So it uses glycolysis, it uses all of these different pathways. And actually the fat pathways, um, something that I stopped uh, was by using this dipridamol, which is an antiplatelet drug, which blocks one of the cholesterol pathways. And then the lovastatin was blocking another cholesterol pathway. And this is actually quite useful for, and particularly for triple negative breast cancer patients, actually they really need to block this. Um, and you can also do that with supplements like bergamot, which is very useful. Um, and luteolin is another one which is quite useful as well. And you can't find those very easily online, but they are quite uh, important. And delta tocotrienol, alpha tocopherol, vitamin E's, just to give you a sort of an overall picture, there's about eight different vitamin E subtypes. And some of them are going to drive cancer. The tocopherols you want to avoid, okay. um, but the tocotrienols, gamma and delta in particular, are really useful. Um, so I definitely suggest having those uh, in your list. Okay. Um, and the other thing that um, drives breast cancer is something called autophagy. Most people think of autophagy as being useful and it can help kill the cancer cells, but it can also salvage um, nutrients from the nearby, nearby areas and actually sort of engulf them and actually feed the cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something you want to inhibit as well. And black seed oil or thymoquinone, which is the um, extract from black seed oil, really useful to help block that as well. Uh, and actually they've shown that loratadine which is an over-the-counter, or it's also known as claritin, uh, is also very useful for helping to block that as well. So um, that's interesting. And actually progesterone, this is probably why progesterone positive patients live longer generally or have a better outcome than estrogen positive um, and PR negative Mm -hmm. um, but if you're ER positive, PR positive, the progesterone actually helps to block some of that autophagy as well. So that's why I think you have a better uh, survival outcome if you. Well, that's good because I was ER PR positive, HER2 negative. So okay. I will take I will take positive <laughs> outcomes. Yes, yes, absolutely. But even if you're PR negative, you know you can do things to to uh, affect and sort of bring you up to the same survival level by adding those things that block the autophagy. So the black seed oil, the loratadine, you know, think that they're quite easy to, to take. There are some more uh, potentially toxic drugs like hydroxychloroquine, which I'm sure we've probably heard of with the COVID uh, <laughs> yes. <negligence> going on. <laughs> Especially here does, in the States. <laughs> yeah, it does have very powerful anti-cancer effects. And particularly for HER2, this is um, something that HER2 positive patient uh, patients should really uh, look at. That whole autophagy process is, is very much more prevalent in the HER2 population. So something definitely to, uh, to look into as well. 
So you, you essentially taught yourself how, how the cancer cells work and how yeah. they, I mean, you, you literally took your own crash course, crash course in cancer because of what you went through. And how yeah. does, how did you figure out that you can starve the tumors, but it won't hurt the healthy cells or starve yourself? Well, this is what people fail to understand is that actually the diet, what you want to do is curb the excess energy that the cancer cell is trying to create. That's what drives the cancer cell. It needs all that energy in order to create its daughter cells. And it's continually doing that. It's replicating far faster than your normal cells. So if you can blunt off that energy, it just goes, oh, I can't can't do it anymore, can I? So it, it doesn't have the uh, wherewithal to actually create those sort of cells. So it just stops dividing and then it stops, it becomes dormant or it just uh, goes into much more of a, uh, yeah, a more of a dormant state, but you can still, you can still kill it during those um, dormant phases as well. Now you had mentioned that you stopped eating meat. Did, what do you do for protein? Do you, are other protein sources okay? So, um, yeah, well, actually I do have fish and, uh, I did occasionally eat chicken. Um, and I did occasionally have a bit of venison. Um, and, uh, as long as it's, you know, properly, uh, raised and it's not full of toxic hormones and things a little bit every now and then I think is fine. When I say a little bit every now and then, I mean, the, I would have that red meat, um, so the venison, probably once a month, mm-hmm. um, maybe once a fortnight. But um, yeah, otherwise, you know, I, I would take a pass on it. And the fish, I'd have fish, well, sardines. I had a lot of sardines, which <laughs> do have was- a lot of a lot of nutrients in them, and which yes. is which is great, but unfortunate because a lot of people don't like them, myself included. <laughs> yeah. I got now, them. <laughs> I'm sure you you've talked about how you can you can starve the cancer cells and make them dormant. But one thing that traditional medical um, the protocol for it, they you know, they they use their chemo and their their radiotherapy to, you know, kill the cancer, et cetera. But they're not attacking the actual stem cells that start right. the cancer. Exactly. How what have you learned about that? So that's how you actually get to the stem cell is by blunting off. There are, there are many of these off-label drugs, you know, the doxycycline, which they use um, now at the Care Oncology Clinic, uh, which is a clinic that has a, a protocol which is uh, almost identical to the one I put together. Um, so they use doxycycline and this will attack the stem cell. Metformin attacks the stem cell. All of those um, off-label drugs do actually attack the stem cell, but the traditional treatments, the chemo, the radiotherapy, they're going for the fast dividing cell. Stem cells are very much slower dividing, so they get missed out. And that's why you get cancer coming back because of those cancer stem cells being left behind. Oh, just the, the, I mean, the fact that you've learned all this on your own without the internet for part of the time, which is, (laughs) it it literally became a full-time job changing, changing your diet, doing the supplements. And at one point you also were, you had been a successful author. You've written a couple books about bath aerobics, which tell us about that really quick. Okay. Um, so I wanted to leave behind some sort of legacy. I really thought I was not going to survive. So I put together, um, not just, this is like a waterproof book. So I did one for, 
relaxation. I did one for a general sort of thalassotherapy spa ritual. Uh, that one we gift of the year and that had all sorts of wonderful seaweedy toiletries, uh, detoxifying stuff that went with it. And, uh, and then I did this relaxation ritual as well. And I've stuck the, um, the soundtrack for that into my online course. So people, I've, I've repurposed that for my online course as part of my, it's in my immune section because the whole relaxation is obviously linked to the uh, immune system. So I've got a whole series of different uh, modules in my online course, but the bath robots was an idea I had. Again, it's sort of, I, I think the concept of combinations is me. I don't know, don't know why, but it was combining um, exercise with detox, with relaxation, with stretching, you know, a whole host of different things to, um, to give you that full body spa uh, workout, really. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, actually I did, I probably repeated the relaxation one. I did one for pregnancy as well. Um, so, uh, so that. you had experience as an author. So once you're finding, you know, you knew the, the pro for different, for different, obviously, it was, uh, it was a fitness. It was totally different. Seriously, mm -hmm. there was not much writing involved. It was a lot of pictures. <laughs> and, and you, you were young when you were first diagnosed and you were fit, you were sailing, you were active yeah. all the time. Yeah. And it's cancer really knows no bounds. It, it doesn't matter who you are. It, it can come get you, but it, if you're, you can figure out the right things working with your, your diet, your supplements, your, your integrative doctors and your oncology team, there is hope you are. Yeah. And did you ever have, um, I, I, I must've missed it in the book for, for your lung cancer. Um, did you ever have surgery for that or was it all yes. chemo? Okay. Yeah, you did yeah. have surgery for that. I, okay. Yeah. They've chopped out quite a large portion of my right lung. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. <laughs> but you're still, and, and that after the, the myodysplasia, you're still here 20 plus years later, yes. which is uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty, uh, a huge success story. Um, yeah. How does the, I want to dig into a little bit how the, the treatment and the, the extensive radiation and the chemotherapy can lead to um, the, the myodysplasia. That's because um, the bone marrow actually, because it's a fast, you know, it's creating all of those um, red blood cells, it's turning over much more than your normal cells. So that's why the radiotherapy will actually affect it and the chemotherapy will affect it more because that's what chemo and radio do. They go towards, they hit those fast dividing cells. So, you know, the bone marrow, the gut, your hair, your hair follicles, that those are all areas that get targeted by radiotherapy and chemo. Um, and, you know, enough of it will cause mutations um, or cause further problems. And uh, I don't want people to be completely put off um, either of those things that, you know, those are, there is a, a massive place for them. Um, but, you know, I, I do think we, generally speaking, give uh, too much of a dose of both. Well, I think that's unfortunately the protocol where we're at right now. Yeah. And it is, you know, yeah. the standard treatment and big pharma also has a lot to do with the medications that are given for chemotherapy yeah. and even the, the oral chemotherapy and the chemotherapy drugs, because that is a standard protocol. That is what insurance is, has will pay for. So looking at these other medications that haven't been tested, the oncologists are like, eh, you know, I'm not really, this is not really in our plan. So if you're interested in something like this, you really need to find an integrative naturopathic doctor who can work with you on this or, 
something like the, um, I'm sorry, the name of the clinic, a care, care oncology oncology clinic. Well, I've got a Uh whole list of doctors who know my book, follow my protocol, have, you know, generally understand why cancer is feeding as it is. And they, they, they've looked at, um, what I have in my book, which is a Metro map. Um, and it goes through sort of how to start the glucose pathways, glutamine, which is an amino acid, but there are other amino acids. And we maybe mention um, cysteine with fructosis later on, but, uh, and then the fat pathways that these are the three sort of sides of my triangle. So it's really carb, protein, and fat as being the three macros in your diet. And of course, cancer um, is very wily if you block block it feeding on glucose, it will go, okay, I'll just feed on amino acids and, you know, and then it'll feed on fat. And you can't just think that you can go on a ketogenic diet and that'll be it. Miraculously, some people do survive just by going on a ketogenic diet, but actually, you know, it's a high fat diet. And I have some issues with that, particularly with, you know, some fat driven cancers, for example, breast cancer generally feeds on fat. So I think mm-hmm. you have to be incredibly careful about um, doing, a, you know, go, well, you can, pu- I probably pulse into ketosis. So I did that with intermittent fasting. And I think fast intermittent fasting is actually one of the key things that people need to take away from this talk, um, because that will starve each of those three sides um, equally. You're starving of the glucose, the glutamine and the fat pathways, all three of them. So I think that's, you know, one of the best things you can do in order to um, to curb that appetite that cancer has. And by intermittent fasting, I mean, you can stop eating at about 6 p.m. and then not eat until maybe midday the next day. So you're eating in a small window. You can still have a reasonable portion of food. It's not like you're starving yourself completely. You have, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a, a reasonable quantity of food. You, actually caloric restriction is is also beneficial um particularly with many um breast cancer patients who are um the wrong side of the normal weight so um it's it is useful but you know there there are many many ways to starve your cancer and kind of i cover a lot of them in the book (laughs) but it's uh it's you know, I think intermittent fasting is definitely a really key takeaway from just from our talk. If they can just remember intermittent mm-hmm. fasting, that's great. I have <laughs> I have done great. that before, and I'm actually starting on that process again. Yeah. I felt so much better when I was doing the intermittent fasting, and I was dropping weight even without changing my diet very much, which. Yeah is always good. Cause I've, you know, I have gained 50 pounds during menopause and changing nothing. So I'm on that, on that path. So we have so much yeah. more to talk about. So please stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. If you would like to be a guest on my show or submit your warrior story, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. Stay with us. We'll be back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network.
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest is Jane McClellan, author of How to Starve Cancer and Then Kill It with Ferroptosis. So this sounds like a good time. What the heck is ferroptosis? <laughs> okay, that's using iron to kill the cell. Now, you have to be very careful about this because iron will drive cancer. So it feeds on iron. All cancers love iron. It helps the metabolic processes. It helps the DNA repair. It helps all sorts of things. So it's actually resisting treatment. Um, and the way to use iron to kill it is to actually create free iron in the cell and then oxidize it. So then um, it creates something called lipid peroxidation, which is the membranes of the cell then get affected and these sort of wither away. So you, it's not like normal apoptosis. This is a completely new type of cell death, which was only discovered in 2012. And there are, you have to do certain things in order to, to create this happening. You actually need to stop some little transporter into the cell called the XCT Antiporter. Anyway, you can block that by using um, either some drugs like sulfazalazine, olaparib, which a lot of people are on in breast. With if you have a BRCA positive, you may well be on um, olaparib. Uh, really useful. This will help block that transporter, which pulls in cysteine. It pumps out glutamate as well, but it pulls in cysteine, and the cysteine is used to create an antioxidant. What we're trying to do with ferroptosis is create oxidation. So we oxidize the iron. So it just creates this um, lipid peroxidation and that's sort of the membranes of the cell um, breaking down. So you also need to block something called the lipid membrane repair enzyme called the GPX4. And you can do that by taking some um, supplements as well called, um, you've got PEITC, ashwagandha. These are all critical things I think every breast cancer patient should be taking. Um, Dan Chen, also really critical for um, breast cancer patients. That's one of my favorite um, Chinese herbal medicines along with berberine, which was something that I took as well. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a long list of that's okay. I, I hope listeners are taking notes <laughs> and then they, they can are. go back and listen. Um, yeah. If you mentioned your online program, if someone is interested in doing that, tell us a little bit about that and where we can find it. 
Okay, so I, I've created, I knew that people struggle a little bit and they much prefer visuals and I've done a lot of diagrams and I've split it into 13 modules. So I go from um, the history, you know, a little bit about the sort of why we get cancer through to sort of organizing yourself with your pills and your supplements to, so practical stuff as well as the sort of the nuts and bolts of how cancer actually fuels itself. So I've broken it down. Um, into different things. And then I've got an immune module, I've got an exercise module, and I've got, you know, just, uh, there's a whole host of stuff in there. Um, over a hundred videos actually. And it's on Teachable. Um, if you look up where well, you can find it on my website, howtostarvecancer.com and you'll find um, under the tabs, you'll find mm -hmm. um, my online course, you'll find my book, you'll find um, the list of doctors that will do it. I've got my Facebook groups on there, LinkedIn. So, you know, all sorts of things, um, whole host of sort of resources on my website for people to, to find it. Um, but people love it because it's just suddenly they get these light bulb moments and go, oh, I get it now, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and that's great because, you know, um, and it is complex, but even people who have no medical biochemistry background at all can really um, engage in this. And even if you don't completely grasp what everything is, you get the picture of sort of, you know, you, you know, roughly that mTOR is sort of the protein switchboard and that you need to block that. That's one of the pathways it's really important to block. And then you've got this autophagy pathway. You've got the, you know, there are lots of different pathways that, um, that work either together sort of, um, you know, so if you block one, the cancer will use another one. That's the whole concept of um, what cancer does. It rewires and reroutes itself. So it's understanding those pathways and knowing if you block this pathway, it's going to use this other pathway instead and what that pathway is in order to make sure that you're doing a dual blocking. So both, both um, of those fuel lines at the same time to get the best effect. Uh, and then there are other, you know, and then you, probably need to do a bit of a little bit of everything um not necessarily the full protocol but you know you you, you can work out mm -hmm. uh, different cancers have different and dominant pathways so it's a matter of working out what those dominant pathways are so i mentioned the cholesterol was being very important for triple negative breast cancer and i mentioned autophagy being really important for the her too um and so that, that there are different things for, for different cancers and ER positive, the oxfos actually is more important than the glycolysis. You need to do both, but you really need to focus very heavily on blocking oxfos, which is the normal Krebs cycle. So it's a normal way of producing ATP, you're blunting it. You're not completely stopping it, you're blunting it. So it actually then um, starts to use more glycolysis and then you can blunt that off by using the melatonin and a few other things like fermented wheat germ extract and things like that so you can you, it's, a, it's it's making sure that you understand which are the uh the dominant pathways for you i love that and so i i will admit i i read the book but there was a, there was a lot of it that went over my head because i have no medical knowledge other yeah. than what i've learned in the cancer community in the past nine years so but you, you definitely, you, you go very deep into certain things and, and talk. Yeah. And there was many words I had no idea. I would literally sit in there reading and I would look up like, oh, berberine, what's that? And I'd look it up on my phone and like the metformin I had heard of, but I was like, oh, I, I don't know why I've heard of it. So I went and looked that up. But 
one thing you did at the end of the book, you you wrote something that's like a five step process called the McClellan moonshot, which I, I appreciate that because it kind of goes with our current cancer moonshot thing that President Biden has said here that we're working on. But talk about what those those e not not easy steps, but those easy to wow. understand steps, please. Yeah, let's break it down to just three. Okay. <laughs> so essentially, um, you starve it you stop it growing and then you snuff it out. All right, three S's. So starving it is my whole process of blocking the um, the uptake of the nutrients and making sure it sort of goes into much more of a dormant state. The stop it spreading is actually making sure you block growth factors as well. You have a lot of growth factors going on. Um, platelet drive growth factor, I won't go through them all, uh, vascular endothelial growth factor, transforming growth factor beta. There's a whole load of them, but you need to be blocking these a little bit as well. Um, and many of the supplements and the off-label drugs that I suggest for starving the cancer will actually have other effects and stop some of those growth factors too. So it's a way, you know, some of these things, they cover multiple different pathways. So it's not like you're taking a ton of stuff. I mean, there is quite a few things in there, (laughs) but many of them cover many pathways. So that actually chops down aspirin, for example, you know, that's really useful for blocking the vascular endothelial growth factor. It also, together with metformin, and you have to use them in combination, metformin on its own, aspirin on its own, not very effective, but you need to add them both together. And then you block something called fatty acid synthesis, which is a real driver for breast cancer. Um, So it's all about sort of starving it, stopping the growth factors, and then snuffing it out is this oxidation process. So in my book, I describe this paroptosis process of oxidizing iron, um, but, you know, chemo will produce uh, free radicals, radiotherapy will cause free radicals, photodynamic therapy, which is uh, another modality where they give you this um, photosensitizing uh, supplement. And then 24 hours later, they shine infrared on it um, through the through the skin, or sometimes they go internally, actually into the lungs or wherever. And that's actually creating the free radicals, oxygen free radicals as well. Works really well in combination with ferroptosis. Um, not many practitioners do it, unfortunately, but ferroptosis will work on its own too. Um, and, you know, like I said, a laparib is really useful for ferroptosis. So definitely get my book with the ferroptosis chapter if you are on a laparib. Um, and you know you can you can make it work really really well. I've I've had uh, one lady. She's a, a, a Sky News presenter, and she was stage four with breast cancer. And she they found that she had a BRCA um, mutation in her breast tumor. It didn't. It wasn't. It was only in a part of her tumor. It wasn't the whole tumor. So they didn't expect the elaparib to work. And I said, right, we can make this work much better. I'll give you a list of all the supplements that cause ferroptosis. Boom, you know, within about six weeks, totally clear. Oh, she I love believe it. You <laughs> must, I know you and have success stories. Mm-hmm. This was about two years ago. So she, you know, and she's so delighted and I'm delighted for her, obviously, but I mean, you know, and artemisinin, things like that can actually help this whole ferroptosis process along with intravenous vitamin C. Um, you know, she's, she's done remarkably well, but I see other people doing remarkably well, um, all the time, 
you know, on my Facebook, I have these positive progress reports and, mm-hmm. and they're really inspiring for other patients as well. So definitely get onto my Facebook and have a look at those. Um, it's called Jane McClelland off-label drugs for cancer. Perfect. Nice, easy, nice, easy title. <laughs> no. remember. But, and, uh, yeah, I know, so. I know you are an advocate and you go in with many patients and talk to their, their practitioners with them yeah. and you're super busy. I know you're still doing more and more research, but what is coming up next for you? And I know you're traveling right now and we, we talked about it over break. So share what is next for you. So I am hoping to, uh, well, I'm trying to put together an app um, just to try and uh, help process the data that, you know, I'm getting on who's doing well and who's, um, what cocktails are working best. And I'd like people to come on board with that as many as possible already. Um, so I can get some really good quality data on that, but it, it'll eventually spew out the sort of the protocols that will help people with their particular cancer. And I can get a fairly good idea probably fairly early on um, when I get this going, um, have, having many stumbling blocks, just finding the right team to do mm-hmm. it. But anyway, um, I've gone through about three so far <laughs> to try and do it and I'm just not happy. Anyway, so um, that's that's in the process. And, and then um, I am looking to partner with an Egyptian oncologist. Well, he's actually more of a sort of metabolic doctor but he mm-hmm. treats cancer cancer is his thing and he uses fructosis and um we're trying to find clinics we need some funding to to do always um uh, anybody out there want to fund us it'd be brilliant and uh so we're looking to create some clinics to uh, roll out this fructosis because nobody really knows about it yet ahmed i was with him at the metabolic health summit out in santa barbara last week and he won the poster presentation award for the amazing results he's getting with raptosis with late stage very advanced cancers uh who you know all of these cancers really really love iron so it's a great way to really target the very aggressive ones like pancreatic triple negative breast cancer you know the mm-hmm. ones that yep other cancers as well you know like this lady on a laparib um, and, you know, so, so there are many, many ways that uh, uh, we can get it to work. So those are two of the things I want to do. And then I do want to create a little range of supplements for people so they don't have to take the same number. That would be fabulous to have it, you know, down from 20 to four or five. That would be great. So exactly. Jane, we've got about one minute left. Tell us what you would recommend to someone who is just diagnosed in terms of their, their nutrition and supplements and things like that. All right, take a deep breath first and <laughs> don't panic. Uh, there's lots of help out there and don't, you know, you've always got a little bit more time than you think. So um, research is everything and actually having the confidence in your own program and education, you need to educate yourself with everything. I've got so much information on uh, my various different platforms. So please, please take a look there. And, you know, there's a lot to learn, but um, it's all very empowering. Perfect, Jane. Thank you so much for being here today. I, I learned even more today on top of reading the book. So listeners, please make sure you go find Jane's Facebook page, 
and um, she has a link tree, which has all of the, all of the places on there and go to the website, howtostarvecancer.com. So Jane, again, thank you. So listeners, if you or a loved one need our services, please go to breastfriends.org and check out patient programs to see what we can do for you. You can make a donation on our website or by texting BF radio to 41444. If you want to be my guest or contact me, I'm at Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. You can find our show on voice America or everywhere else you find your podcasts. And now also on the breast friends, YouTube channel. So we will be back next week. And until then, remember we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.